Good morning, River City. Hi. Welcome to Family Sunday. I hope those who came early enjoyed breakfast. Um, here at River City on the fourth Sunday of every month, we have family breakfast or lunch or brunch, but it's been family breakfast um, for the first part of this year. Um, just want to welcome you all. My name is Antramika Knight. Um, here to River City this morning. Um, at the beginning of our service, the way we connect with the global church is we read from the lectionary. And the lectionary has readings for every day. If you ever want to check it out, it's lectionary.net. And these various readings just walk you through the word and other churches throughout um, word and other churches throughout the world are connecting, incorporating the readings. And the way we do it is we pick one of the Psalms readings to connect us. And this one is Psalms 22. And when you actually turn to it in your Bible, the question at the top says, why have you forsaken me? And then we're going to jump to verse 19. And it says, but you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. If we bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for the opportunity to connect as community and family. We pray for everyone here. We embrace our differences, Father God. We embrace those who are hurting. But Father God, more importantly, we thank you for hearing each cry. We thank you that you are always present. We thank you, Father God, that you hear and you see us. We thank you that we are seen and not forgotten. We pray, Father God, that this Sunday experience brings us and draws us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have not been given the spirit of fear, but we have been given the spirit of adoption so we can boldly approach the throne of grace and say, Abba, Father. And that's what prayer time is, right? It's, it's the privilege we get to partner with the God of the universe, to partake in his kingdom and go boldly and say, we need you. We need you to feel like we could navigate any part of this life without prayer is pretty foolish. What the privilege we have as followers of Christ, that the goodness of God means we are not alone, means that at any point we can turn our faces 
to the hills from whence comes our help, because our help comes from the Lord. So this morning, prayer is going to be a little bit different in that we are going to be um, praying through specific prayers of this season. So we haven't had these in a while. And you guys can sit for a minute, and then I might invite you to stand back up. I'll give you a, a quick break if you guys could stay up here with me. So we, this is what we know. We know that our capability, our ability to affect the world around us only comes from the place of a filled well, right? So we can pray for the world, we can pray for our community, we can pray for those who are suffering and in trouble. But if we have not come to a place ourselves where we are full of faith, it's harder to be those hands and feet in the world. And so we're going into this next season feeling really burdened as a leadership that our that God wants to grow our body because he has something for us to do out in the world. But first, we need to be reminded what it is to be a member of the family. So we're going to pray through these specific prayers. And then we'll pray for the other parts of our prayers of the people. <clears throat> so we're praying this morning for God's leadership in the next season. And this is on your seat. So if you guys want to follow along, there's a card. I should have told you that. We want to pray that we would steward what we have faithfully, our finances, our leadership, our relationships, our needs, and that we would create space to listen for his direction. We're praying that each person would step fully into the body so that RCC can be healthy. These are the four things we're praying through, that we would be committed to praying for RCC that we would commit to be present with the body in the spaces that we have created for living in love and for community, and that we would invest personally in relationships out of those spaces. We pray that our commitment would rise and up in us to give financially to RCC and a commitment to serve in the body and with the body to our surrounding areas. All right, number three, <laughs> a renewed sense of vision and mission for RCC in our community. So these are our prayers of the season that we want our body to be committed to. When you realize as a church family that you've hit a wall, guess what you do? Pray. <laughs> so may that muscle be worked in us that we would continue to pray for our church. Um, so now if you will stand as just an act of participation and willingness in our prayers of the season. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So God, we pray for the global church, its members and its mission, that you would pour out your spirit on us, that we would be unified and that we would authentically follow Jesus into the mystery of the gospel. We pray for our nation and all those in authority that you would compel them to lead with justice and mercy for the common good of all. We pray for the welfare of the world, 
for the things that are happening around the globe, which we have the ability to put blinder, blinders on our eyes and not even notice the devastation. Will you bring in us a burden for everything happening around the world, especially those living in fear and in turmoil and disease, in war, in poverty, in persecution, in oppression, and in slavery? Will we go to the throne and scream, Abba, Father, for them? For the concerns of this local community, God, you are calling us into a season of prayer, into a season of presence, into a season of giving and a season of service. This is what it means to be a part of your body. So will we, will you raise up in the desire, will you raise up a desire in us for these things? Because we want to want it. Will you, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts and shape our community through these things? And finally, those who we know personally or know of who suffer and who are in trouble, who are dealing with sickness in body, in mind, and in spirit, will you be Emmanuel, God with them? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. We are a little short on time today, and we have some stuff to share, so I'm going to jump in, and I'm not going to um, I'm not going to not share it. And here's the main reason. After next Sunday, you'll hear about this at the end of this message, Sarah and I are going on our first sabbatical. Many of you are like, what's a sabbatical? And that's just an excuse for pastors to go on vacations. <laughs> not really. Um, after four years, they say it's important that you take time away to get away because in ministry, any, if anybody who's ever been in ministry knows you cannot turn it off. It's not like other things. And you carry a lot of things that a lot of jobs don't. Um, you know everyone's deep needs. You know everyone's brokenness. You're involved in all of that. And for five years, we knew it was coming to a season where we needed to step away for a bit and do nothing but receive from God. And we're doing that for one month, starting at the end of next week's service. So... I'm going to share because I have two weeks of things that I know God has put in my heart for us now, and I'm inviting you into them. And we cannot be a church if you're not invited into them and own them. It won't even be a real thing. You have to be a part. So today I'm going to share with you a couple of things, a couple of passages, and then we're going to share at the end about some things we're inviting you into. So if you'll close your eyes with me. Jesus, your presence is in this room. You are with us. We know that because we've asked you to be with us and you say that you want to be with us. We want to be a people that seek you. So in this space for sermons or worship or prayer, all of those things are the river of God. Preaching, worship, prayer, intercession. We pray that you would be with us today and speak to us. We thank you that we can. We're in a space right now that reminds us of the true narrative that God is here, he is for us, and he is coming, and he is wanting us to know how much he is in love with us. The world does not share that same narrative, so we create spaces. It's not all about this space, because that would be ridiculous, but this space is irreplaceable because it's the one space that tons of people gather together to say, we're going after him, and the things we do help us do that. We're writing a story. 
We're showing our kids a new narrative. We're reminding our hearts what we need to lean into when we doubt, when we're fearful, when we have anxiety. This is the space that we do that with people together. There are not other spaces doing that. So thank you that we do have the Sunday space. It can't be replaced by a Bible study outside of here. It can't be replaced by food trucks. It can't be replaced by online preaching. It can't be replaced by a devotional study because in this space are the people gathered together in person, celebrating the risen. Jesus, we are the body together. We listen together. We lean in together. We're uncomfortable together. We don't get what we want together. We have to do things for others together. This is the place that reminds us it's not just about our appetites, but it's about the river that nourishes us, the bread that fills us. So we gather around this table together. Some days we like it, some days we don't. But we admit that we need you and that this is important, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so were you in here when I bragged about your laugh? Cool, you just kind of kept it cool over there. Yeah, no, okay, cool. But then he offended you when he said you were older. That was, I would have not done that, so. All right, so I just, I just want to share a little bit. The first thing I want to talk about is hunger and thirst. And one time I was in a setting similar to this, and I had a guy that was on stage look at me in a time of my life when I was very insecure about ministry, and it was an exuberant worship service, and I had my hands in my pockets, and I was confused and I didn't feel hungry for God, and I didn't feel thirsty for God, and I couldn't have made myself, and he literally looked at me and told me, the world does not need another youth pastor that isn't hungry and thirsty for God, in front of like 100 people. And I was like, that was probably uncalled for. And it planted a deep seed in me that I'm not hungry and thirsty, but a stronger narrative that began to rise was, you can't just make yourself hungry and thirsty. And how would, I, how would I put myself in a space to demand that I be hungry and thirsty? And it made me remember the spaces that fill us in such a way that teach us how to be filled. It's similar to when you eat something that you want to eat again. You've tasted it, so you want it. You can't make that happen. If you've never eaten a Snickers in your life, and I'm telling you that you need to be hungry for a Snickers. You don't even have a framework for it, right? My fear is, in America, especially in churches, most of us have been led to these spaces not out of hunger, out of commitment, which isn't bad necessarily, but most of us don't have a hunger and thirst for the things of God, and that's just a reality. And it makes me think of another scenario where we know that our environments not only create thirst, but they also help us to know what to thirst after. This is what, when Sarah talks about the good life, you can tell what you're hungry for by what's in your week. That's the answer. If, you, if you're asking yourself, what am I hungry for? Take the last seven days of your life, what's been in it? What's been in it most? What's been in it least? You can't be hungry for something you're not around. And so when I begin to talk to you about these things that we're asking you to to lean into, I know that most of you have serious roadblocks into these. Specifically today, I'm going to talk to you about prayer and being present with the body of Christ. And already in some of you, you hit a wall. Because one, you don't know how to pray. And two, you really don't enjoy being around the body. Some of you here do, of course. But most people 
Raise your hand if you know people who would never go to church again because something that would happen. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever felt like, is this even worth it? This is the reality that we have. We're losing a vibrance for these spaces, and I don't blame us. So I wonder what it would look like if God would do something in such a way to us as a body and individually where we would taste and see his grace so good that we would have a thirst and a hunger that we didn't have to create. What if that were to happen? I remember communities I was a part of where that was part of it. Like what, what if we became a community that all of the sudden didn't just come to a service to listen to a somebody or read a devotional, but we leaned into things like prayer. What if we became a community that every person in here started to pray, not just here, but throughout the week? What if every person in our church felt like it was very important to be present here and in groups? Do you feel like that would change what's happening? I've been a part of communities where those things were high values. I remember when I was 17, I was a part of a community near Sprayberry High School, very small community, but they cared deeply about prayer. It was the Kesslers, a, a, fr a friend of our families, and they cared deeply about getting together. And there was a vibrance that happened when those, those two things came together. There was, it almost felt like, like you were tapping into, the best way I could picture this this morning was, it's like all of this water's been pressed up against a dam. And when we start to pray and be present with one another, for the right reasons, it's a little bit like we start to crack that dam. And then all of a sudden you realize you're in something you didn't even know was there. And all of a sudden you have this window into this place that you didn't know existed. And so today when we talk about these passages and when we share the pots more deeply, I'm asking you to begin to pray that God would lead you into those things in a way that would bring life. If you're not hungry and thirsty at all, your prayer very simply is that you would be hungry and thirsty. You cannot make that happen. Only he can make it happen. But he desires to give you what you need to be hungry and thirsty for him. That's a beautiful thing. And so I'm going to read you a couple passages. Isaiah 65, 1 through 14. You guys can follow along at your seat. I'm going to read it from here. So this is Isaiah speaking in the voice of God towards his group of people, the Israelite community. And it's at the end of this book. And this is one of those texts of terror. If you're someone who feels, you know, like I know triggered is a big word now that everybody uses for everything. It was a little bit ridiculous, but I just got, I triggered myself just now talking about that. <laughs> but this would be a passage, if you had, weren't familiar with the Bible, that could be triggering because the language is violent. The language is harsh. The language is God is upset with people and this is what's going to happen. So I just want to share this before I share it. The lens of Jesus to this point has not been spewed upon scripture, right? We know as Christians, for us to understand the word of God, we need to see it in a Christocentric lens. That's what we teach. We believe we read Genesis through the eyes of Jesus. He showed us things when he came that the prophets couldn't show us. He showed us what he, that's why his mission looks so different, right? They think, they thought David was coming again to kill and destroy. Jesus shows up what? To love the world, to love the world and not to hate it. And so when we read these passages, I'm gonna try and frame them in a way that's honoring to Jesus while getting out what the prophet was saying. So here I go. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. 
I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good. There could have been better language there. That's like, that's like my kids talking about. He's walking away. It's not good, Daddy. Like, it's not good. Following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and broth of tainted meat in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy. Again, this is him saying, this is what his people are saying to others. Keep to yourself, don't come near me, I'm too holy. Let me find where I'm at. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their lap both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. Because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills, I will measure into their lap payment for these former deeds. Thus says the Lord, as a new wine is found in a cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it, so I will for my servant's sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountains. My chosen shall possess it and my servants shall dwell in it. Sharon will become a pasture for flocks and a valley of Achor, a place for herds to lie down. For my people who have sought me, but you who forsake the Lord, harsh language, who forget my holy mountain, who set a table for fortune and fill cups of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you to the sword. And all of you shall bow down to the slaughter because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen. But you did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wait for breaking of spirit. (laughs) Yay, bacon! Next thing, is that it? All right, so this is what's important here. And I I just want to extract what I know the prophet is trying to do and what I believe God is trying to do, and it's a few very important things. Up to this point, religion was duty. There was no, the grace of God has found me, and I'm responding. So he's talking to his people, and he's saying that all day long, I have been trying to get your attention. I've been trying to wake you up, I've been trying to be your head. I've been doing things. I've set it all up for you. I've explained how to do these things. It's like I've laid my arm out to you and said, I'm here. All you have to do is ask. You have decided, this is again him speaking to them, you do not want me. And instead of wanting me, you have set yourself up as more important than other people. And you refuse to do what I want you to do and do what you want to do. You only want to do what you want to do. Because of that, I'm going to now give myself to a people who have not called me, the Gentiles. And then, therefore, because he, do, he does that, he teaches us. This is the important part of this. I'm giving myself to someone first so that they can respond to me. Up to this point, religion was do this out of duty. This is where it starts, where Jesus graciously gives himself to someone, a group of people who do not call out, where they can taste and see that he is good. And he also says, I will destroy religion that is selfish. I will destroy self-reliance. I will destroy the idea that you think you're holier than them. Stay away from me. 
He's creating in us a desire to hunger. And he's using the Gentiles. And we know this is true because we read the New Testament in all of the Gospels. We see who he, brings, who, who he brings Jesus to, who Jesus takes himself to, the Gentiles. And the Jews are like, why are you doing this? And he's like, this is what I came to do. I came to give myself to a people not deserving so that they knew that I am graceful. And I look to do gracious things. And I want to pour myself on them. You don't see me that way. You believe you've contained me. You believe you have me where you want me. And because of that, I will not stay with you. That's harsh. So if I, if I were framing this in, in the lens of Jesus, I would say it like this, because I believe this is how he says it. These things are going to kill you. The things that you've placed your trust in are going to kill you and destroy you. I've come to give you life, and I'm, I'm standing here all day long. I'm here all the day long. This, the outstretched arm of Isaiah 65 is the picture of Jesus on the cross. It's the outstretched arm saying, this is the better way. There is life in me, there is death in this way. If you decide that you would like to be self-reliant, that you would like to do it on your own, that you would like to exclude me from your life and just go after, you can do that. But it will lead you to an unfulfilled, empty stomach, right? That's what he's trying to say to them. And he uses the Gentiles and he gives it to them and that's how the gospel starts. He's always giving himself to people and showing them how to hunger. He shows them, this is the God of grace I give to you this way so that I can form your appetites. They don't even know, right? And this is, this is us. We're filled, but we don't know that we're empty. It's my kids eating a bag of Doritos before dinner and sitting at the table and being like, I'm not hungry. Not realizing that their stomach is full of something that will not satisfy ever but their stomachs are still full. So our job is to show a, a, a country, a nation, a people, a church that is already full of things providing for them all week long. You're actually starving. And you tap into that at times. He breaks into that at times and shows you, this is how hungry you are. That's why you weep sometimes and you don't know why. That's why you cry alone sometimes and you don't know why. I'm tapping into a hunger that is much, much deeper, but you're full of things that will not satisfy. He comes to give food that will bring life, and our stomachs are full of food that bring death. And that's all of us. And that's why I teach, that's why I believe that our job in Smyrna and the world is the hardest mission field that, that there is because we are the most full society that has ever existed. We don't have to pretend like all of us don't have too busy of schedules. We literally say, I'm just too busy to be at church right now. I'm just too busy to join a life group. I'm just too busy to come to a Thursday night prayer. Are you, are you kidding me, right? You want me to come back to church and pray. Are you a moron? This is our appetites telling us you're already full, not knowing it's just Doritos. And, and the, the trick to this is this life that he would give us is is more than we would ever, ever ask for. It's, it's what you want your kids to have, but don't know how to talk to them about it. It's, it's his plans for us. It's his sustaining things for us that we continually, continually choose not to listen to him. So my hope is that you would allow him to break in, invite him back in, to a space that says, God, I want to be hungry again for the right things. What if we live 40, 50, 30 more years and we look back and what we've done is meaningless? That's, 
That's what I don't want. And so I'm going to share with you another story from Psalm 42 about someone in a little different scenario. This is the writer of this psalm is literally seeking God. He's crying out to God. He's possibly either in prison or in exile. He's been taken away from the community or the temple, and he finds himself alone in alienation. So he writes this psalm, and all of you guys, if you were raised in church, know this psalm. And yes, we're going to sing it. So shut your mouths and sing it with me. One, two, three. As the... Come on, guys. Not good. It's good stuff, right? Keep coming. Some of you, Steve, are you singing or no? Not yet? Nope. Okay. Anybody? Jordan, you got it? All right, you're good. So, thank you guys. Was that a fun thing to do to remind you of your past? When you sing that song, does it bring back good memories or bad memories? Good, bad? Okay. For me, that song is a space in my Christian history that I enjoy. It reminds me of things like campfires and youth groups and not having to be too perfect to be around the community of God and being invited into spaces where the music wasn't perfect and awesome and it was just the community, right? Like the beautiful spaces. A couple of things really important with this psalm are when a deer is thirsty, a deer will find water, period. It will go until it finds. It doesn't take a nap. It's thirsty. I'm finding water. It makes sense. In this psalm, This psalm speaks directly to people who are in a situation where they feel like their faith has left them and they cannot see God. And this is what's happening. Basically, the psalmist is hemmed in by this question of his enemies that's also tapping into something inside of him that's making him feel very insecure. And the question is, where is your God? And the question is hard for him because the enemies are saying it to him, and it's also something his heart is saying to him. Where is my God? Where is my God? Why am I in this situation? Why am I in exile? Why am I not experiencing this? And it's a question that almost all of my friends that I know right now are wrestling with, either about the community of God or about church or about life with God. Where is God? Like, where? if you're honest about the things in your heart, where is God? And the part that I love about this is that in this unbelievable psalm, and I'll read it to you in a second, I wouldn't have thought this, right? Like, I spent the first 10 years of ministry figuring out how to finally make church relevant again. Like, my first 10 years were, church evidently isn't relevant, and it's stupid, and all these people are doing the wrong thing, so what do we got to do to make it relevant again? How do we make this what it's supposed to be? I spent all this time trying to recreate and make it beautiful and make it more meaningful and make it more me. I basically formed church in my own image, and that's what we do here in America. Like if you travel to a different country, that's not necessarily happening. But here, it's so easy. We just decide, I like these three things about the gathering. We're going to do a church about that. So we're only going to preach the word in this way. I like things about this, so we're going to do that. We're going to make church more enticing. So we're going to do sermon series. And we're going to make the gathering feel like you've entered a theater. And when you're there, you're going to be, it's not only good theater, it's God theater, which is always good, right? No. We try and compete, right? We, we throw our image of ourself onto this community in God, and we expect it to be what works. That's not how it works. And this psalmist, I'll read this to you, 
is speaking to that. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Like real questions people are asking right now. You can go, do you have the next part of that? These things I remember. This will make me want to scream on a mountaintop right now. Because I would, I would have thought historically, you need to have an experience with God. Like you got to go, get, God's got to have an experience with you. This psalmist is not saying that in that way. But he's saying, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them into the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. He's saying, what are the spaces that remind those who are faithless of who God is? And they're exactly the things we're trying to say aren't important anymore. Before you go any farther, we all have our idea of what this space should look like. Some of us believe this. We should worship from the time, worship through song from the time we show up until the time we end and God can handle all the inner stuff. Some of us believe if you don't have preaching in a certain way, it will not be church. Some of us believe that there should be other strange things. The temperature shouldn't be high. Some of us believe we all throw upon church the things that we believe it should be. But this psalmist, in a season of drought, in a season of loneliness and alienation, while talking with God, right? He's talking with God, is feeling alone. So he cries out for the body of Christ and the things that happened in those settings. Three festivals he's talking about. The festival of Passover. This was the festival that talked about how God brought people out of where they were. The festival of tabernacles. This is the festival that talks about what God will do. He's going to do. The festival of first fruits. This doesn't even make sense. He longs for a festival where you show up and you give when you don't have. Because in that, he's reminded that he had faith in God that he couldn't do it on his own. So literally people would bring their grain and they would give it to this temple and they would say, I don't even feel like I have enough to do what needs to be done over here, but God is so big and I have such faith that I'm giving this before I even know what's gonna happen. He's longing for the days he was around a body that did those things. He didn't decide he was just gonna do his own thing in exile. He's crying out to us as well saying, will you help me restore this Will you make this sacred again? When people come into a church, this should be a glaring reminder of our need for God. If you struggle with things when you come in, it's worth it to fight through it. If there are people in this room who have harmed you, it's worth it to sit down with them. If this space reminds you of somebody that abused you, it's worth it for counseling. This space is the space that is continually going to be going forward and gathering and it's better than the spaces we create outside thinking we're doing better. That might be harsh for some of you. You have to have both. I didn't mean to kind of preach like that to you guys. I, kind of, I love you guys. This space reorients. There's not other spaces where you gather together in admission that we're not enough. Think about it bigger than just what you were invited to growing up. Some of you, the nostalgia of being in a church with your family and going out to lunch is great. And that's not bad. But what are we doing here? 
The whole reason we gather is to say, that's why we're here. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Every other setting you enter, you're there for you, right? You're there for you alone and what you're about to extract from it. Movie, dating. We don't live in a society anymore either where you can't get what you want right now. Every, this is the great struggle for parents going into the next season. Your kids are the first kids that will have everything at their access at all times. I remember when I was a senior in high school, if I wanted to go on a date, that took like a year to happen. You could literally leave this room and half of this community could have a date today. That is unbelievable. I want a date. I'm just going to go sign up. I'm dating somebody right now. I'm literally dating somebody. This is the first time in history where you can have everything you want at any moment. And so all of us bring that into this space and we think, I'm not getting what I want there. You're not supposed to always get what you want here. This is the space that reminds you your appetites are not your own. They're Doritos. And when you're in this space, you have to confront things that you don't enjoy. So yes, you should pray together, even though it might not be as riverish as you'd like. And yes, you should worship your God exuberantly because he is God. In this space, you have to interact with that. Every other, think about every other cluster of your life. You're gathered around things you already agree upon. Here, I guarantee you there's people just in that section who would have fierce, fierce disagreements. This space, we decide, we're gathered around the miracle, the mystery, the awe-inspiring. And that's what I love about old churches. When you go into these old churches, I've, they started to be my favorite place because you're, you're brought up into this like, oh, it's bigger than me. It's not just about me. So stop making just your Christianity about you. You don't have the thing that will make it all better. You don't. I didn't. It didn't work. I just created a bunch of people that looked like me and my spirituality, and I figured out I needed people that didn't to really grow. So he's saying, I want to be back in that. I'm in alienation. I want to be back in that where I'm reminded of these things. And this is our picture, and I'll just, I'm going to read you a couple quotes and... I'm not going to apologize for going long. I do love you guys, and I honor that. I feel a stirring in my heart for what God would like to do in our community. I feel it so deep, it feels like a heartbeat is started back where it wasn't. And he's saying, if you, will, if you lean into these things, you'll see things that I'm going to do that you couldn't do on your own, if you'll lean in. If you want to continue on with your Doritos, Josh, you can do that. You can form church in your own image. But if we lean in together, this is a couple of quotes I want to read you. Anne Lamott says, my prayer oscillates between two extremes. This is honesty. Help me, help me one day, and thank you, thank you the next. In this extended lament, the psalmist shares fond memories of joining in the festival procession to the temple while feeling overwhelmed by unspecified circumstances that are now preventing participation. The palpable sense of yearning is offered up to God as a sacrifice of a willing spirit that seeks to be restored in full fellowship in the company of worshipers. You can pull up the next one. However, to those who, of every generation who are tempted, the psalmist enjoins the skeptic to go to church where one can join the throng in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving. A multitude keeping festival. The writer knows the power of liturgy. And pause. Before you think liturgy is just about old churches that are stale. Every church has a liturgy. Every church. Every church has a way that they would do things. 
Many of us are in church today because years ago we were expected and sometimes required to go. We would not go on our own or have chosen to go. And when we become older, we may even have stopped going altogether, but over time we come to acknowledge our thirst. Today there are men and women in church pews, pulpits, and theological seminaries who years ago were led reluctantly to water by kind and caring parents and friends only to discover that they liked it. This is the power of the liturgy. The danger for so many today, as Simon Wheel pointed out years ago, not lest the soul should doubt whether there is any bread, but lest they should persuade themselves that they are not hungry. <sighs> it's horrifying. So, Sarah, if you'll come up. Um, we recognize that we're not at the space where these are vibrant yet. And that's okay. Where we say we want our people to be a people that pray, right? Our people to be a people that think it's so important to be present with the body. That our body would give generously. That we would see people serve all the time. We know we're not there yet. So we're inviting you into this with us and asking you to do your part of the body. And if you are doing your part, and you're doing all of those things, which aren't necessarily, you don't check that off and say, I'm a good Christian, but if you're doing those things, and you're doing too much of it, pray that people will jump in. This is our cry. What if we did these things, and we're going to go for one month to Canada, which doesn't even make sense. We pray for six weeks if we would see people step into this kind of thing where oh, this would change everything about our body. And our body is good and God is honoring it. But if we saw this, it would change everything about our body. Do you want to share a little bit about why we're going or why these things are important? Whichever you would like. Why these things are important. <laughs> um, so thinking about, you know, I always think of things in, um, in formational ways. So if I think God wants to form us into the people of the things that are on the wall. So we believe that God is continually forming us into people who are living in love, who are creating space, who um, pursue spiritual formation, and who long for community transformation. Um, when we talk about our the good life, it's not only our personal rhythms, but it's our rhythms as, as a community, right? So in order to pursue the good life of our church, which are these things, there are things that will shape and form us into this. And this is what we believe this is. These are practices. Prayer is a practice. Presence, that we think of that as worship and spiritual friendship and gathering together in community. Um, giving is, and generosity is a spiritual practice. And service is a spiritual practice. These are the corporate practices. These are the things that the historical church has done for thousands of years. And it forms us into the people of God. We don't do them as the end. We don't do them for their sake. We do them together so that the Holy Spirit would form us into the people of God, which enables us then to go out and share good news. So we could say, we want to be a people who are living in love and are creating space, but if we don't create the space for, for those things to happen, and if we don't engage in practices that reorient our heart to the kingdom, it will never happen. We actually have to participate. 
and allow through the spiritual practices, the spirit to form our hearts together. So that's the why. That's why we're pursuing these things. And we had just, we had like a prayer meeting last week with the worship team and somebody had a statement that made a lot of sense for us. And I think it's perfect. The idea of when you like rent a house or own a house, when you rent a house and you need to paint a wall, you're like not painting that wall. When you own a house, you spend too much time figuring out how to make something perfect that probably doesn't really matter. We're asking you guys to transition from the idea of renting to owning. What would it look like if you owned it? What, if it, what would it look like if this, what would it look like if you were leaving and you saw somebody on the back row crying and you didn't think, I'm sure Josh and Sarah will pray for them, and you sat next to them and prayed? What would it look like when we said we're taking up offering and you gave money to the church, which is exactly how we survive as a church? There's no other, there's no money tree in the back, right? Like, what would it look like when Katie puts a thing online and says, we again need two more volunteers to serve our kids and we have 50 people sign up, and we're angry at all the volunteers. What would it look like if when you saw something that we asked you to pray about, and you prayed with your family around a table, and you cared to see if God answered it? It's the idea of renting. I'll come in and come out. I think Josh is a decent preacher. Like, he does okay. He doesn't, he's, Sarah's a great preacher. I'll, I'll come listen to that. I think our worship's great. I'll come listen to them. They're super good. It's transitioning from that to saying, I've just now stepped into this family, and I'm owning this, right? And it's not like we say, oh, I'm going to wait till I feel like I want to pray, or I want to give, or I want to serve. We don't wait for that. We just do it, and guess what happens? We become the people who want to pray, who want to serve, who want to give. So we actually lead our hearts, right? It's not this like, I follow my heart. That's the worst idea ever. You lead your heart to where you believe God wants to go. I promise if you decide, and this comes from people, like we, we give, we're active givers. Is it always easy? No. But it has, it has trained that muscle to trust God. We just do it no matter what, right? We just pray. Sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes you don't hear anything. You don't believe that prayer even works. You don't even know where God is or if he's talking. You do it anyway. You keep doing it. It's really good. So real practically, you can bring up the next two slides and we'll close. Um, if you guys want to go ahead and come up. Um, so prayer to me is the exact in route if you feel like you're stale and not with God. It is the, it's the first step in to just admission. It's like when you show up at a counselor, you've already admitted you don't know and you need help. And so that counselor starts talking to you as if that happened. Prayer is that. I don't know and I need help. So here's ways for you to step in and we're asking all of you to do this. With family, pray over the pots. If your family is you, pray over the pots together at dinner. Thursday, come to summer prayer. We had like 12 people here last Thursday. It's my favorite place. There's no expectation. It's just people praying in a non-trendy way. There's nothing cool happening. It's just prayer. Come to it. I'd love to see that 12 turn into like a million. Amen? And, and faith. Uh, join the prayer team. Come talk to me if you would like to be a part of the prayer team. They actually pray for people. Go to one night this Tuesday, once a month. That's where you can get prayed for. Join the prayer wall on Facebook. It literally is the most active thing at our church. Raise your hand if you're not a part of the prayer wall. It is the most active thing at the church. Daily, we're praying. And then just simply pray with somebody else. The second one, practical steps into being present. Maybe you just need to hear it from me. 
It is so important that you're here. It is so important that you're here because when you're here, this whole body changes. Your presence makes a difference. Be at services consistently. The consistency in American church right now is one out of every five Sundays at this point. A church member goes to church one out of every five Sundays or 10 times a year. There's no way to create space for the rhythms of God in your life that way. Join a group or a special function. Jump in. We're about to do group seasons. Do something new. Personally invite or call someone to something. Somebody did this this week on the prayer wall. Amen. Was it Bethany and you guys did this. You just put on prayer wall. We're doing this this week. If anyone wants to come, come. Number four, create space first, waiting for somebody to come to you. And I believe if we, these are the first two, if we start stepping in, just close your eyes really quickly. This is going to be your final prayer. I had a picture of a circle in my head last week, and inside the circle, there was about a third of our community, and they were the people who were carrying the body, their prayers, their giving, all lifting up the body. And then there was all these people on the outside of the circle kind of coming in and out. And my prayer was, and what I felt God doing was drawing people into the circle, but the circle is open. It's not about creating a group that's better than them out there, but it's about creating a family. And so I'm asking you, are you inside that group owning or are you on the outside renting, coming and consuming? Take a step in, practically through prayer and into the spaces of community. Jesus We thank you that this body is in Smyrna as it is in heaven and that you're calling us to these spaces so that we can act actively live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, who says to a world, you have value before you know it, who says to a world, you're selected before you understand, who draws people by his Holy Spirit to say you are loved, you have an identity, you don't have to walk in shame, you're not an orphan, you're adopted. These, these gifts of the kingdom in Jesus that, that the body of Christ gets to share. Help us to be vibrant, God. I want to thump for you. I want for there to be a vibrancy for Jesus that is resounding in our community, not because we're drawing hard lines and finally fighting the man, but that we are so loving and so grace-filled that people are finding faith and finding hope and finding an appetite for something outside themselves. Help the people who are hungry realize it and help us to be able to help them be filled. If you'll all stand with me. If you have kids that need to be taken, I think they're all in here anyway, except for the younger ones. Thank your your ministry workers. We're going to create a space in this room for anyone to pray. If you would even just pick up the pots thing, just turn around whoever you are and pick up the pots thing. Find one that can go with you take it home with you, put it on your fridge, get a tattoo of it on your arm. Pray. And Father, we just pray that we would see this happen. As we create space in this room, we ask that you would acknowledge that people are wanting prayer. And if you would like prayer, you can come visit any of these prayer teams. If you would not like prayer and like to talk, we ask that you would walk out to the middle area. Father, we pray that you would go with them and bless them. We thank you for every good gift that is from from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.